Praise the Lord. Good morning. Wow. I don't know if you had a chance, but on 11 on 11, there was a fantastic one hour of a clarion call to America. It was an hour of praise and worship and honoring God. Uh, it was a spectacular uh, event. I, I just, on Armistice Day, I, I really felt um, the Lord's presence in a glorious way. I am really, really thrilled. Uh, if you didn't see it, you can uh, email Janet or email Donna. Uh, Donna Jacobs. Donna, could you stand here? Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't like to get people to look at her. Donna, would you please stand? I want you to see Donna. Donna has taken the high five from Betty Snyder. Betty, I want you to stand. Oh, look at her. Stand up, Betty, right there in the corner. For years, Betty has been the one that sent out our email. So whenever you've gotten a primetime email, it's it said Betty Snyder. And we've heard that some of you precious ones, you see Donna Jacobs, I don't know who that is. They must be from Chicago. We just delete that. <laughs> Actually, they're from Johnsburg, which is far better than Chicago. Anyway, the, we're just thrilled that John has been able to take that baton and pass out emails. And this was one of them about that tremendous event that took place on 11-11. And fortunately enough, they recorded it. So I want to encourage you all, you can even... Uh, Google it by Google in a clarion call for America. Clarion, C-L-A-R-O-N-I-O-N. All right, turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4. The last two weeks, we've had great times of having prayer for our nation, for the uh, all of the things that are taking place in our tremendous country. And it was great to uh, have an opportunity to go to our knees on behalf of the land. Ephesians chapter 4, this is where we are in our sojourn of looking through the great book of Ephesians. And I want us, uh, again, to reiterate, I, I want to go back and read the first six verses. And I want us to look at Paul's opening statements as he begins this strategic chapter 4. And I tell you this this morning, this passage is God's heart for us today. These words come to us from a caring heart of a loving father to the hearts of sons and daughters in Christ that lived in Ephesus. And these words are perfect, perfect for us in Waco and in America today. Now, I'm going to take a little liberty by reading the first verses from the New Living Translation and then go right to the New King James, which is what we really love to teach out of. Verse 1, I, therefore, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beseech you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another. Make an allowance for each other's faults and differences because of your love. 
Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Let's pray. I do blow the trumpet, the shofar in Zion, Waco, Texas. And Lord, I, I do sound an alarm. My heart is in alarm mode in these days. Our country is in radical turmoil. Lord, even much of the church is in turmoil. Lord, I pray we would endeavor, we'd do everything possible to maintain a unity in the spirit. And Lord, this great apostle to the Gentiles has such an incredible word of exhortation, a word of command, a word of security to this very mature church in Ephesus. He reminded them strongly to be one. One, 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 one. And thank you, Lord, that this apostle mentioned that over and over and over so that the message could be driven home to our hearts. Be lifted up and glorified is my prayer for us today. Amen. Although we are unique in calling, we should be unified in purpose. Unique in calling, unified in purpose. Making us one and keeping us one, this is a key mission of God the Holy Spirit. And each of us have to do our part in keeping the unity of the Spirit and the strong bond of peace. Shalom. Now let me ask a Simple question. How many churches are there in Waco, Texas? Did I hear a million? A gazillion. Well, that, that's a whole lot. Anyway, take a guess. 87. 87. Do I hear 97? 97. Do I hear 100? I hear 100. Now, here is Mother Marion. She said 200. She's pretty right. It's around 200 in all of Waco. Wow, we only have a population of 120,000 and 200 churches. Hmm. But you know, from a natural earthly perspective, that's how many are spread around the city. But from an eternal kingdom perspective, there's only one church in Waco, Texas. 
Only one. And it is the sole possession of King Jesus. We've been conditioned to see the trees, not as much the forest. And that's why we need some help by the Spirit to raise us up higher to see as God sees. And yes, there are gatherings of people, God's people, in various parts of the city and in different homes and buildings. But from heaven's perspective, there's only one church in Waco. And I think that we forget about that fact too easily. I want you to listen to the words from Jesus in Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verse 25. But Jesus knew their thoughts. And he said to them, every kingdom. Now, every kingdom is every place that is it could be a huge city, but you think of a great Roman Empire, the kingdom of Persia, the kingdom of Babylon. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house that's divided against itself will not stand. Now, the entire world sees that we as a nation, are a divided nation. And we are in desperate need of healing. Our enemies are gloating over our division. And if the church does not rise to this occasion, listen to me, desolation will be America's destiny. That Greek word desolation, listen to what it means. To be laid waste, complete emptiness, anguished misery, deep distress, and great depression. Does that sound familiar? It's part of American history a hundred years ago. But the situation today is far more serious than it was 100 years ago. Think of that word desolation. Get in your mind something great like the great Roman Empire whose influence extended around the globe. Sound familiar? You know, when I moved to Israel in the early 1980s, I was so impressed that the Israeli public school system required all children in their beginning of their schooling uh, years that they had to memorize scripture beginning singing the Psalms. Now, isn't that a great way to start an education process for a little child? Fantastic. And the first scripture, this is in day one of first grade. The first scripture that they learn is Psalm 133, verse 1. gam yachad. And they put it to a song. gam yachad. You see these little kids. I tell you, little kids can dance real easy. It's us old folks that just watch them. And there they are dancing to behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in 
or as one. That's the literal translation. The word unity isn't really there. It's one. Echad, one. Now, it represents unity, but there's a oneness, a oneness in it. And the Israelis know that unity is a key to receiving God's blessing. So they start their children to sing the first song that if it's acquired at the end of the psalm, it says, there the Lord has commanded the blessing. It just doesn't come. He commands it. Life forevermore. Wow. They know that it's a key to God's blessing and to have peace within the community. It's also vitally strategic in combat warfare. Without unity, everyone does that which is right in their own eyes. Amen. And the army becomes powerless and vulnerable to the enemy. Spiritual unity was one of the most powerful aspects of the life and the teaching in the early church. Unfortunately, we are a long way from where they were concerning unity. And here in Ephesians 4, Paul instructs us to do everything possible to keep and to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Now, I love how the Greek word for beseech I beseech you, therefore, that's one of the words, I urge you, I desire, I beg you. This is Paul's beginning of chapter 4. That word beseech means to plead, to urge, to desire, to beg. That's how much he wanted us to get this. And Paul could see down the road. Paul was very apostolic. He also was very prophetic. He could see down the road that God's people would need strong encouragement and a spirit-led push to obey this command. It's a very serious matter to cause division among God's people. In fact, Paul instructs the church to warn a divisive person twice and then reject him, get out of the church if he does not repent. <laughs> That's the scriptures, Titus 3, verses 9 through 11. Spiritual unity is at the heart, the heart of the Christian faith. And it's at the center of the life of Christ's church. And in this letter to the Ephesians, Paul presents one of the most significant statements on spiritual unity that is shared anywhere in the whole Bible. And he contends that in the church of Jesus Christ, there is only one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all. Get this picture. Seven times he mentions oneness. Oneness. He mentions it in a perfect number of times so that we could get it perfectly. And in John 17, 21, Jesus prayed this prayer to his father. Father, when they are one in us, 
then the world will believe that you did send me. Amen. This morning, I want to give you, I want to make this real easy. I want to give you two kingdom principles concerning unity that I learned in my years living in Jerusalem. I'd encourage you, as Pastor John says, for you note takers, I want to encourage you to write this down. Now, I know some of you didn't come prepared to write down anything. That means you'll probably forget it. You can write on your song sheet. There you go. How many of you do not have a song sheet? We'll make sure everyone has writing material. How many of you do not have a pen? Ah, I see all those hands. Well, write it on your phone. There's a great, there we go. Words of wisdom coming from. Praise the Lord. I, I encourage you to take notes on this because you will forget it. I'll tell you, part of the enemy's strategy is to help us forget. No wonder continually the scriptures say, Remind them, remember, remember. Even in when we take the Lord's Supper, remember me, Jesus said. Two principles. Uh, Lord willing, we are recording it. All right, number one. You ready? There is great power in the words that we speak. Principle number one. Our words cause hurt or healing, confusion, or comfort. I want you to listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12. Verses 36 and 37, Jesus says these powerful and arresting words. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Precious friends, I want you to really hear the spirit of the Lord this morning. In the day of judgment, each of us will stand before the king. That is true. And all the words, all the words that we have ever spoken, ever, will come back to us either for blessing or judgment. Every word we speak is recorded. May the Lord set a guard over our mouths. The man after God's heart, King David, he said this in Psalm 39.1, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth as with a muzzle. King David also said in Psalm 141.3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. 
Today, our ultra-high-tech recording systems are nothing compared to God's recording system. Amen. Now, I want you... I want you to imagine. Use your imagination right now. Every word, every word spoken by every person all day, every day for their entire lives. It's recorded. This should cause us to fear the Lord in a deeper way. King David had it. Oh God, set a guard over my mouth. Put a watch over my lips. Our words often are careless. You know why? We do not have the fear of the Lord upon us. And when we don't have the fear of the Lord upon us, we speak recklessly. Proverbs 18.21 tells us these are the two polar extremes. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Wow. The essence of all evil, death. The essence of all good, life. Both of those are in the power of what's in our mouth. You talk about great power. Jesus said that out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, our mouths speak. So what we say is really a reflection of what's inside. I love Youth with a Mission, former leader, John Dawson. Just really loved Brother John. He once said something that I really love. Listen to this. He once said, that when the fear of the Lord returns to the church, the fear of the church will return to the devil. Let that soak in. I'll tell you, the devil doesn't fear the church in many spheres because the fear of the Lord is not on the church in many spheres. But when the fear of the Lord returns to the church, these are the ones that turn the world upside down. That's what it's written of those that had the fear of the Lord upon them. Those that had the fear of the Lord upon them could stand still, sit still, and be still, and watch God destroy their enemies. The supernatural is released when the fear of the Lord comes upon us. We lack the fear of the Lord to come upon our mouths and our hearts. And you know, because we are human, relational conflict is inevitable. Mankind is fallen and continually in need of forgiveness. Conflict, it results from thoughtless words, hurtful actions, misunderstandings, and a lack of communication. And because conflict is so common, we all need God 
to heal the impact it has in our souls. Again, hear this today. Concerning conflict. If we will pray for those with whom we have conflict, God will bring healing to our souls. And he will work in the lives of those with whom we are praying for. Prayer is a win-win activity. I should get a resounding amen there. It's a win-win activity. Everybody wins when we pray. Everybody wins. Even those that don't want to win. Even those that are on the losing side, they win when we pray. Prayer moves God into action, and it's a powerful uniting force. And it makes us one with God, and it brings us closer to the ones for whom we pray. One of the most powerful things we can do as Christians is to pray blessing onto the lives of those with whom we have conflict. I tell you, this is deep stuff. It's real stuff. It's kingdom stuff. Republicans should be praying for Democrats and vice versa. They should be praying for one another. American Asians, Caucasians, African Americans, Hispanics. We should all be praying one for another. Listen, the divide is enormous in our country. But we are the redeemed of the Lord. And we are called to go against the tide to divide. God's called us to go against that. And there's a a tide, a tsunami to divide us. And we are called to penetrate that divide. To break the divide. To go against the tide to divide us. And if we pray for those with whom we disagree, the tide starts diminishing. And it starts first in our hearts. We, the church, we are God's uniting force in the earth. That's it. And this is a mature kingdom response. Praying for those who outwardly or seemingly would be our enemies. King David prayed, create in me a clean heart, O God. David knew he had a little revelation of the wickedness of his own heart. Lord, create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. That was his heart cry, Psalm 51.10. And friends, hear, hear this. If our hearts are not pure and our spirits are not righteous, our prayers are fruitless. We are in covenant relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ because of the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away all the sin of the world. 
Romans 12, 14 says, bless those who persecute, who mistreat, who disagree with you. Bless and do not curse. Romans 12, 14. When we choose to bless, when we choose to bless those who have hurt us or upset us or disagree with us, we will see the body of Christ come into wholeness and unity. We'll start answering Jesus' prayer. In John 17, I pray, Father, that they would become one. The more we become one, we're answering his prayer. And it's got to start somewhere. And God expects his people to champion unity. We're to be the champions of it. All right, that's all under number one. Number one, realize there's great power in the words that we speak and the place from which they come. Number two, and I'm only giving you two. It's hard enough to remember one. Two, number two, the importance of accepting one another. Realize the power of our words, number one. Second, the significant importance of our accepting one another. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, Paul has a tremendous truth, insight, revelation that he looks to bring to us. Romans 15. I remember uh, years ago, uh, Janet and I were on a, a little retreat, about uh, a dozen of us or so, good friends from Jerusalem. We all went to a place that is strategically and historically where the Emmaus Inn used to be. It was about uh, 10 kilometers outside Jerusalem. Uh, now it's on top of a little mountain crest and it's a fortress. It's an overlook to the main highway that goes from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. It was a very strategic military place. Uh, the Israelis at one time were there years and years ago, the children of Israel. The, the Romans had bases there, the Byzantine, the Turks, then the Israelis, and now it's the Jesus brothers that runs it. Hallelujah. It's gone through all the generations of strategic significance. Now God has it. When we were in that retreat, this scripture came to me one morning and it changed my heart. It changed my perspective. Starting in verse 5, Romans 15. Now, don't you love that word? Every time I read now, almost all the time I stop and go, now, Lord, right now. 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 May the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another. According to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive or accept one another just as Christ also has accepted us to the glory of God. When I first moved to Jerusalem in 1982, I had a really good friend that was an Orthodox rabbi. And he, he was masterful in trying to win me back to my Jewish heritage roots and go back to Judaism. 
And, but I loved him, and I didn't uh, force my faith on him. We just had great fellowship. Of course, I prayed every day that Jesus would somehow, Yeshua would radiate through me, that he would want to see the, see the Savior, see his Messiah, and come to salvation knowledge. Well, one day we were out walking. And as we were walking through the streets of Jerusalem, he said that in his research, in his doctoral research, he discovered that there were about 130 different types of Judaism within modern Judaism today. But it amazed him when he discovered that there were over 22,000 different types of Christians. And then he stopped. I mean, we're doing a nice walk. He stopped, so I stopped and yeah, because he looked straight ahead, and then he looked at me, and he asked, why are you so divided? I was speechless. How are you going to answer that? There I was in the streets of Jerusalem and just got a stun gun. Why are you so divided? And I felt compassion in his voice. Well, as we stared at each other, he uttered this statement, and it will forever be in my heart. If all of you could be united and unified, that would make a powerful force in the earth today. Wow. How true. And I believe that Something happened in my heart with those words of the rabbi that at that moment caused me to desire with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength to be a peacemaker. Not just a peacekeeper, a peacemaker established peace. Because we believers have not been able to cover our differences in love you know what we've done? We've chosen the path of least resistance and separate ourselves. The sad truth about Christianity is that our differences have kept us separated for 2,000 years. God wants this to change. Now, we all have similarities. We all have differences. But if we are ever to experience true unity and see God's glory in the church, we must accept one another with all of our differences. I know that that's hard to amen. Because it's challenging the core of who we are. And it's challenging the core of what God wants us to be. This is a foundational principle in God's kingdom. We will become more like Jesus as we love and accept those who are different from us. Hallelujah. 
Therefore, accept one another as, as Christ has accepted you to the glory of God, to the glory of God. Now, I want you to catch this this morning. The glory of God is connected to our mouths and our hearts. Two connecting points to the glory of God. What we say, what we say, and how we accept one another. These two vehicles, God gets glory when we do it the kingdom way. When we do it the Jesus way, God gets glory. With one mouth, glorify God. That's what Paul said. With one, catch it. One mouth, one mouth, we glorify God. When we're watching what we say, we're speaking words of edification, building up, not tearing down, not greater division. We've got to make a difference. With the mouth, glorify God. With one heart, accept one another. You know, in our old, old earthly nature, we are attracted only to those that we like. We're not attracted to those we don't like. We're attracted to those that are like us, believe like us, worship like us. Whenever we are attracted to like-minded, God says, I want you to be attracted to all. God loved the whole world. We're attracted to those like us, and even with them, sometimes we have very strong disagreements. But as new creations in Jesus, his spirit enables us to be more like him and accept those that are different. We can only do this, we can only do this in the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our love is limited. Our capabilities are limited. And acceptance does not mean that we have to agree with each other's doctrines or theology. And we don't have to like the ways in which we differ. But in Jesus' name, we have a supernatural ability to love and accept people the same way Jesus does. Ouch. It's more than an ouch. You know what it is? It's a piercing sword from heaven. And it's meant to pierce the darkness that still remains in our souls with the reservation in our hearts. God wants to put that to death. He wants us to love those who are different, whether they look different or act different or from a different place, different aspect of society. He wants us to make the difference. He has nobody else on the earth other than his church. We're it. It's only in and through the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I will ever be able to walk in the love of the Father and to accept one another as Jesus has accepted us. Amen. I'm so grateful that God is so far greater than us humans. He's calling us to come up to his standard. 
Don't look at the church's standard. The church misses it. Our eyes need to be lifted up to the king. That's the goal. That's the end time. So what are our takeaways today? Two. <laughs> oh, may the Lord help us to remember two. Powerful kingdom principles concerning unity. We must realize the power of the words that we speak. Amen. And to use our words to build up, encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching, Hebrews 10. Lift up one another. Make grace, as it were, be seasoned on your lips, that you may speak that which is edifying for the building up, the building up. And secondly, we must accept one another just as God has accepted us to the glory of God. So this morning, here's what's happening. Paul, the apostle, is beseeching us through this word. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is urging us. And me, I'm pleading with you to take hold of oneness today. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in one. First graders in Israel learn that. Father, oh God, we're in need of help this morning. We're in need of more help than we realize. First and foremost, Lord, I, I pray you would help our memory. Holy Spirit, it's entrusted to you to bring back to our remembrance the words that Jesus has spoken to us. Lord, there's power in our mouths. Lord, we need, we need help with our mouths, Lord. I pray, even as what David said, Lord, set a guard over our mouths. Would you just take one of your hands and just place it over your lips as, a, as an act of wanting the Lord's healing touch to come upon your lips? The same thing happened to the prophet Isaiah. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of that. Lord, would you take your coal from heaven and touch our lips today? We need cleansing, Lord. We've spoken recklessly. We have torn down and put down. Lord, would you forgive us today? Lord, every word has been recorded. Would you forgive us for the idle words, for the wrong things that have easily come out of our mouths? So in turn, let the fear of the Lord come upon us this morning. Let the fear of the Lord come upon our mouths, Lord. I pray that there would be a mouth-to-mouth -mouth transfer this morning from your mouth to our mouths because for sure you are speaking well of us. You are speaking plus and positive. You are building up. What the enemy wants to tear down and divide, you are strengthening and unifying. And Lord, not only do our mouths need to touch, so do our hearts. Could you just drop that about 12, 18 inches, Lord? Lord, 
here's the source of what comes out of our mouth. Things that are in our hearts. Purify our hearts, Lord. May they be as gold, pure gold. Refiner's fire. Our heart's one desire is to be holy. Set apart for you, Lord. Create in us this morning, Lord, a clean heart. A clean heart, Lord. Forgive us of heart attitudes that we've had against others. How quick we've been to criticize, put down, rather than intercede. God, prayer changes us, and especially when we pray blessing upon those with whom we disagree. Lord, we need a heart-to-heart transfer this morning. But Father, I pray that both our mouths and our hearts would experience transformation for one purpose, that you could be glorified. With one mouth, glorify God. Glorify God by receiving one another as God has also accepted you to the glory of God. So almighty God in heaven, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, each of us would be more changed a little more into the likeness and image of Jesus, our Lord, our King, this morning. We are the body of Christ. We are. It's us. That means we are your hands. We are your feet. We are your eyes. We are your heart in the earth. And we are your mouth in the earth today. Oh God, our Father, may we experience your glory in our day as we guard our mouths and as we open our hearts toward those who are different. This I pray so that Jesus might be glorified. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen.